Hello, hello, and welcome to the Love Doctor Podcast, research-informed advice that can lubricate any conversation about sex. My name is Leah Tidy, and I'm glad to have you here. Now, today on the show, we're going to be talking about menopause and lube, answering your questions, which I had such a good time answering, and we also have some special guests here from the RAG podcast, Crystal and Jenny, and they'll be here to talk to us about menstruation, sex, and relationships in the time of COVID-19. But first, today in sex. So for those of you who don't know, I recently completed my PhD at the University of Victoria. And while I was there, I used theater to talk about sexuality and what that looks like across our entire lives. A big part of my research was looking at sexual shame, and especially for older adults. As a young woman, I'm 28 years old, many of my colleagues and friends were really surprised that my focus was on older adults, so predominantly people who are over the age of 65. But I've learned a little bit about what it means to age and what that looks like as a sexual being. And one of the things that I think we don't talk about enough is menopause, and that's when people with uteruses stop menstruating. Menopause has been positioned, especially in social media, to be this terrible thing that signifies the end of our sexuality or feeling sexy or being seen as desirable. Now, it is true that after menopause, a lot of the times it can be harder to get wet and lubricated, but research has shown that for many people with uteruses, postmenopause can really be a time of sexual freedom and liberation. But obviously, as someone who has never experienced menopause, why don't we hear from someone who has? And as our bodies age, our vaginas stop producing their natural lubricants. You are just going to keep talking about my vagina, aren't you? I want to show you something. No, please, no. Oh. <laughs> oh, you are such a prude. It's my secret weapon. No, please, no. Frankie's homemade yam lube. That's a lubricant? Yeah. I've been putting that on my toast. Well, that's fine, actually. My gynecologist says you should not put anything in your vagina that you would not put in your mouth. I call it vagicadabra. Now, I wouldn't recommend uh, yam lube on your toast, but it actually does sound really amazing. Uh, I use coconut oil myself, but if someone comes up with the patented yam lube, I would definitely be willing to try it. Now, if you haven't watched Grace and Frankie, which is what this clip is from, there are some truly wonderful moments that really highlight older adult sexuality and our growing experiences as we age. However, I really want you to take it with a grain of salt. It's predominantly white folks in this show from a very privileged perspective, and it's really problematic in a lot of ways, particularly with Frankie's cultural appropriation of indigenous people's culture and the seemingly like close-minded attitudes of their families. I find it so strange for a show that's actually pretty recent, the fact that a lot of the family and friends are really quite homophobic. So the premise of the show is Grace and Frankie, these two women, and they're in their 70s, and their husbands come out as gay and declare that they want to get married to each other after having a secret affair that's lasted over, I don't know, about 20 years at least. Now that the show is in their sixth season, it's not very imaginative, but it is one of the few examples of a show that has older characters and their sex lives at the center of the story. Through my own lens as a researcher, 
I was shocked and appalled when I read this review on the website Netflix Review of the latest season that came out earlier this year, and it really just shows our ageist assumptions. So this reviewer said, Is it just me, or are shows about old people just so much fun? There's just something about senior citizens that are just so hilarious, and just like kids, old people say the darndest things. I hope you can hear how facetious I'm being when I'm reading that out loud, because I was actually really angry when I read it, and I just had to like cool myself down before I actually talked about it. I literally have spent the last four years trying to highlight older adult sexuality as something that we need to be talking about as a society and not to be treating older adults like children. You know, we are all in the process of aging continuously, and if we are lucky, we will get to be older adults. What I'm thinking right now is to have a whole episode dedicated just to hearing from older adults about their experiences in sexuality, but my hope is that older adults' experiences can be woven together throughout this podcast. So if there are older adults who are listening, I would love to hear your ideas. So send me an email, or even better, a voice memo to our email, thelovedoctorpodcast at gmail.com. But now, let's get to your questions. So I have a question that somebody sent in through Instagram, and it's specifically talking about sexuality and menopause. And I think that's something that's really interesting before I get into reading this question is that menopause is just one of the many phases that our bodies go through throughout our whole lives. And so I think it actually has a lot to do with our bodies at any age and how that affects our sex drives and how we understand our bodies. Just as a little precursor before we get into it. So here it is. I just listened to your podcast and it's great. Could you do something about sexuality and menopause? I'm in the early stages of menopause and sexually feel defective as I have lost my previously healthy sex drive. I'm in a long-term lesbian relationship with a partner who is 11 years younger than me and I don't want her to miss out because my libido was non-existent. I was a sexual health educator in my youth, but this is a totally new frontier for me. Thank you for sending in this question because... As I've said on the show before, talking about age and sexuality is a big part of what I'm interested in and something that I don't think we talk about enough. So I can understand for you as being a sexual health educator in your youth, how even having that knowledge as you get older, we're just not prepared to have those conversations and to talk about aging bodies in the context of sexual health, even though we're all aging all the time. So wouldn't it make sense that we would talk about our sexuality? Anyway, I digress. So from my research, we can understand menopause from a variety of different perspectives. It's a physical change that occurs in older bodies that have vulvas and vaginas, and it changes over time where our bodies don't produce as much estrogen, and then we cease to have our periods regularly. And it really depends how your body reacts to those changes and how severe those symptoms can be. So for yourself, caller, you talk about it really affecting your libido, and that is something that comes up a lot, but unfortunately, we don't feel that we can talk about it, and especially not with our healthcare providers. That's why I've been really excited. I know I mentioned in a previous show about Dr. Jen Gunter's The Vagina Bible, because it really is such a wonderful resource for anyone who has a vulva or vagina, or anyone who loves vulvas and vaginas. This is a wonderful book to know a bit more about what's happening in our bodies, and really those social perceptions that change our understanding of it. 
So in terms of the social aspect of menopause, I think a big part of it is linked to ageism in our society. So menopause is kind of understood as a symbolic change. It's just transition into being an older person in the world. And unfortunately, in a lot of societies around the world, particularly in North America, that's not seen as a good or a desirable thing. But really, it it can be a wonderful sexual freedom, sexual awakening, or really settling into knowing and understanding ourselves. So I think a lot of that is changing that narrative of how do we understand aging and how do we understand our bodies as beautiful and changing throughout that entire process. You don't need me to legitimize the fact that your libido was lower than it used to be, but there are a lot of other factors at play that might be contributing to this loss of libido. So what I'm really seeing in this recent study that I looked at from the Massachusetts Women's Health Study is that age can't be separated from our understanding of menopause and how that affects how we see ourselves as sexual beings and our interest in sex. It's hard to unpack how all of these things are relating to each other. So caller, it might be a physical response that your body is going through in response to your vulva and vagina changing as you age. But it also is a social aspect and maybe a little bit of shame or stigma about being an an older person in society. And a lot of that is going to be about owning that identity. I can imagine that could be difficult, especially as you said, with having a partner who is 11 years younger than yourself. Your bodies are going through different changes at different times in your lives. But that doesn't mean that your sexual connection has to suffer from it. It just means that maybe it has to change. And these conversations about what our sexuality looks like, that evolves over time. And as you know, in a long-term relationship, those things change regardless of ever going through menopause or not. That's just another factor that contributes to us having more open and honest conversations about what's happening in our bodies and what we can do to feel more, more pleasure on our own and also with each other. Another thing that I want to talk about is the type of sexual relationship that you've had before. So based on what you said in your question caller, it sounds like you had a higher sex drive before experiencing menopause and your body going through those changes. So that's actually a really good sign because hopefully over your life and over your relationship with your partner now, you've developed a bit of a sexual repertoire, something that is pleasurable for both of you in a way that both of you can connect with each other. Now, this change right now can be difficult because you're heading into new terrain, but research shows us that that cumulative, that long-term good sexual experiences actually prepares us to have better sexual experiences throughout our lives. If you had had really negative sexual experiences and ones that were really disappointing or lackluster, then it's harder to change that narrative. But if you can continue those pleasurable activities and to keep that conversation going with your partner, maybe it'll be easier for the two of you to discover what's going to be best for your body as it is changing. Because with your partner, they're also going to go through this change. It will build empathy with each other, but also could really deepen the intimacy that the two of you have in knowing each other and knowing how you can work together to create more pleasurable experiences for both of you. I talk about in a previous episode about how our arousal and our desire can be really different in 
folks with vulvas and vaginas, because a lot of the time our bodies can actually have a physical response of feeling aroused, but our brains haven't quite caught up to what our bodies have told us. So constantly checking in and having an understanding of what is our arousal. And sometimes it's being intimate with our partners. We're we're kissing or we're cuddling or we're fondling on the couch or something like that. And that can actually get us aroused to engage in more sexual experiences with each other. But sometimes it's not until that's happening that our minds and our bodies connect with each other and we start feeling like, oh yeah, like I'm ready to go and I'm excited to be having sex right now with my partner. Also, I realize the irony in myself talking about menopause and how we need to change the narrative around aging in society. I'm only 28 years old. And so my lived experience, I don't actually know what menopause is like, but I have spent a lot of time talking to people about what that has been like for them. And I just feel like having more conversations at any age about how our bodies are going to evolve and change over time, I think is really important for us to think about ourselves, not as sexual beings in one moment, but as sexual beings throughout our entire lives and how that's going to change. And really how those changes can be really exciting because that means that things are going to constantly evolve and teach us more about ourselves and what pleasure looks like in our bodies. Hey, Leah. I've just been thinking a lot about how COVID-19 has been affecting people's relationships right now. I'm wondering, how do you think the current circumstances related to the pandemic is affecting the dating scene? And when physical dating is possible again, how easily do you think people will get back to being able to trust being in physical proximity to each other in a post-COVID-19 world? So COVID-19 has totally changed how we date and has basically limited everyone to online dating only. What I love, though, is all of these stories that I'm hearing from people who are getting really creative about what dating can look like in this quarantine world right now. That can mean different Zoom calls and dating, and I love to hear about people who get dressed up and who find other ways to connect with people online. I'm thinking a lot about the second part of your question and how dating, you know, it may be changed for a long time after we've created a vaccine for COVID-19 and we start getting back to quote unquote normal life. So I think that our trust in people has done some strange things over the last few weeks. You know, we've seen a lot of stories of people coming together and supporting each other. But at the same time, there's kind of this distrust because we think that maybe other people have the virus or maybe they're asymptomatic. And when we get into dating, maybe that will do something in terms of trusting a new partner. What I've been thinking about is if you can destigmatize the conversation talking about COVID-19 with new sexual partners and really disclosing your health status, like have you been vaccinated? Have you had it before? And what are the risks to your partners? Then maybe that's something that could actually open up the door to also talking about sexually transmitted infections. And I'm hoping that COVID-19 will become a way, it's kind of like a gateway conversation for us talking about our health overall with our sexual partners and being able to open up that communication so you can have better sex because you're having better conversations. Okay, so this next question, somebody emailed in and I will read it out loud to you now. Hi, Leah. I am a 21-year-old woman who is interested in men and I haven't had many sexual experiences in my life and it causes me anxiety. I feel like when I do get to this point with someone, they will judge me for my lack of experience. I'm looking for some tips on how to talk about this with people who I want to become intimate with. Thank you for sending in this question because I know 
there can be a lot of anxiety from folks who haven't had a lot of sexual experience and not really knowing how to talk about that with a partner, a potential partner, and not really knowing what feels good in our bodies. I think the first thing that I would recommend, though, is to masturbate. Masturbate so that you feel confident in what feels good to you, what brings you pleasure, and so that when you are interested in getting intimate with another partner or partners, you have some understanding about what feels good for you and you can communicate that with them. So in terms of talking about sex with someone you want to be intimate with, really you want to make sure that you're in a neutral place to start that conversation. Uh, if you're in the heat of the moment, you're lying in bed together, and then you start talking about the experiences that you had, we can often get swept up in what's happening, and that's often how we, we cross boundaries that sometimes we didn't even know we had. I think you can frame it as something exciting that you want to talk about someone with as well. Being in that neutral place, such as you're having dinner or having coffee with someone, to start talking about what your previous experiences have been like, and whether that's not a lot or it is a lot, that's totally fine. But being able to start asking someone, you know, what would be exciting for them to explore. I also want to say that not having a lot of sexual experience can actually be a really great thing to share with a partner because think about how hot it is that the two of you are going to be exploring this thing, two of you or more, whichever floats your boat, can be exploring this together. You can be exploring together what feels pleasurable and maybe if the person that you're interested in becoming intimate with has more experience than you, then ask them to tell you about those experiences, what really worked for them, what didn't. And then you can get a bit of an understanding of, okay, that sounds like something that might be interesting that I would want to explore. And so it's really about framing it as in not being sexually inexperienced, but you are ready to embark on this journey with yourself and also with someone else if you'd like to to explore what those pleasures can look like. So I think that's a bit of a framing thing. If you're talking about it as not saying, oh, I'm really sorry or apologizing for your inexperience, it's saying, I'm really excited to explore these things with you in this context and turning it into that really positive framing of, all right, we are going to have some really hot sex and this is what I think it might look like. What do you think? Now, if you start talking to someone about wanting to take it slow because you haven't had a lot of experience yet and they start getting weird about it or they start pressuring you, then they are absolutely not worth your time. They have just told you that if they're not going to be compassionate in a conversation, then they won't be like that in the bedroom either. Sex it can be an incredibly vulnerable experience, so I understand your anxiety. I know that going into my first sexual experiences, I didn't have the language to say what I wanted because I had never been in that situation before. And sometimes it's not until we've had those sexual experiences that we know what it is that we want or want to explore more or what feels pleasurable. So I think just setting up some sort of boundaries about saying, I would like to take it slow. I think it's really hot if we can kind of like tease each other and slowly work our way into these really intimate, sexual and exciting experiences together. One of the things that I think can be really helpful when you're having these conversations in and out of the bedroom is to use humor. I know that sometimes these conversations don't actually happen until we're in the bedroom. 
I would recommend having them in a neutral space beforehand. But if you're in the bedroom and you're having this conversation and things are getting maybe a bit too intense, I think being able to communicate that you want things to slow down, making sure that you have that safeguard in place, either a word or something along those lines that is a cue to both of you to slow down, breathe, and think about what do you want that next phase to be like. For myself, I like to do something really funny to say if I think that it's going a bit too fast or a bit too far on something that I'm wanting to explore. So I'll choose something ridiculous like eggplant or okra or some other kind of obscure vegetable because hopefully it'll make us both giggle and then we can just take a moment to breathe and then reassess where we're both at. I think that laughter in the bedroom is something that is so helpful and can really help us feel more grounded in our bodies and to feel more connected to the people that we're having these intimate relationships with. Now, I've linked a really great article here about talking to a partner about sexual health, talking to them about what are the things that you want in your sexual relationships. This article is great. It links to a lot of really good research that I've looked at, but be wary of all of those articles out there about what it's really like to date a virgin or what to expect when your partner is inexperienced because there are a lot of them out there and they're really, really problematic. A lot of them use pretty gender binary language. They have really heteronormative, meaning just like penis and vagina kind of sex, like that's the only one that they talk about. And they're basically only like one step away from those articles about how to give a better blowjob or how to make him happy in bed or make him go wild. Those are just garbage trash articles. Please don't read them. A lot of them are based just around like cis men's pleasure only and they are not going to help you actually build the skills to have those conversations with someone that you want to be intimate with. All of that to say, I have linked this great article in the podcast description that is actually helpful for a wide variety of questions, and it has info from academics and professionals in the field of sexual health. Okay, so we have another question, but it's also a caller update from someone who sent in a question from episode one. I'll read it out loud. I just heard my call on the podcast and I just wanted to say how much I appreciated your use of gender neutral language when talking about people's bodies. I'm cisgender, so while it doesn't apply to me, I do know several trans people who were assigned female at birth and I know how important it is for them to feel included in conversations about menstruation. Side note, a reusable pad company that does this really well is Period Isle and your podcast reminded me of them. Keep up the amazing work. I know that I'm always working to unlearn the stigma and becoming more sex positive every day and this discussion and podcast helps immensely with that. I don't ever want any girl to think that she's dying like I did because they weren't educated on their bodies. Maybe in your next episode, you could talk about the stigma surrounding being a virgin and the pressure to lose your purity. Keep the episodes coming. That's great. I'm so, so glad that it was helpful to you, caller. My response from episode one. And now here in episode four, I think there's a few things that I just want to quickly talk about in your question and response. The first thing Yes, I think we should definitely have an episode about virginity and the pressure to lose your purity. I have little air quotes. I'm doing little bunny ears around purity here, if you could see me, because what does that even mean? I have a lot of thoughts about virginity and sexuality and our first sexual experiences and what that means. And I'm actually going to do a whole episode, I think, on that because I've gotten actually a whole bunch of other questions. Thank you, caller, for bringing that up about virginity and why do we frame it in that way? So look forward to that coming up in a future episode. 
The other thing is I did look into period aisle and they look amazing. So for those of you who don't know, my partner, husband, is Levi, and he has a YouTube channel called Levi Save the World Hildebrand, and he does amazing work about highlighting the people and the organizations that are really doing amazing work to give back to the planet and really focusing on environmental sustainability. So looking at Period Isle is (laughs) right up my aisle. Oh, wow. I, I was a bit cheesy. Anyway. They have reusable maxi and mini pads. They have period underwear. They have different cups. They even have cloth masks. And so basically they have stuff for your face and your vulva. From what I can see from their website, they look like a super amazing eco-friendly company and they are B certified. If you watch Levi's YouTube channel, you know that that is the gold standard being B certified and it caters to all shapes and sizes based out of Vancouver, B.C., It also looks like they're really committed to like inclusive practices and that's reflected on who you see on their website, who's modeling their stuff. But I think it's also related to who's designing and promoting their products. Now, I promise they are not a sponsor of the show, but I mean, I wouldn't say no to some period panties that I could review. I don't know. I think that'd be something quite interesting to have on the show. Let me know if you want to hear my review on different period panties, maxi or mini pads and different menstrual products, uh, send me a message to the love doctor podcast at gmail.com. Now, your question about virginity and purity, it actually reminds me a lot of our previous caller's questions about menopause. And these are really key transitional periods in our lives, haha, period, get it, uh, that are that are really connected since those experiences that we have in our youth, such as having our first menstruation, are actually really important and inform our decisions throughout our lives, and they impact how we're going to make these decisions, for better or for worse. One of the things that I have thought about a lot in my own work is called the life course perspective. And that's the idea really of privilege and advantages or disadvantages and how the experiences that we have early on in life really inform those experiences throughout our lives. And that is a cumulative thing. So if you have a really positive experience of your first period and a real sense of ownership over your body, that's going to translate most likely into feeling really sexually positive about our bodies and then throughout our lives feeling confident in what our bodies look like and how they change over time. The reverse can also be true. If you have a really negative experience, a really shameful experience of what's happening when you're experiencing your first menstruation, then that can actually lead to genital shame, feeling really ashamed about what our genitals actually look like. That can also lead into sexual shame and us feeling really shameful about our sexual expression and our bodies. As I mentioned, I have had some other questions from folks about virginity and the pressure that a lot of young folks feel to either safeguard it or lose it. And I think this really merits its own episode to address these questions. So next week, I'm talking about cannabis use and sexual intimacy. And it actually came up in my interview with the lovely and brilliant Riley Webster, who is the host of Ignite Your Light podcast. So look forward to a deep dive on virginity and how I think we need to scrap that term in my episode next week. And now I am very excited to have Crystal and Jenny on the podcast. You will notice that there is a slight difference in the audio quality. That's because I'm recording now using a lovely microphone and pop filter, whereas 
because of COVID-19 and us all being in different places, when I did the interview with our lovely folks from the RAG podcast, we were on Facebook Messenger and I had to record it from my computer to my phone. It was a whole thing. But we had a great conversation. I'm really excited to share that interview with you now. So here it is. Chris, you want to go first? Uh, no, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, my name is Jenny, and I work at a local radio station in Victoria. It's called The Zone. It's a modern rock station. And I'm also the host of the RAG podcast, which I do with Crystal, who she'll give you a little intro to. It's a podcast that's all about... Well, it started off as like a menstrual equity podcast, but it's really just grown into like sexual health in general, relationships, and pretty much anything that people seem to be uncomfortable talking about. We just want to bring it up on a podcast in a casual way because we ourselves are not experts. And it's just, yeah, nice to have those conversations. And it's fun to have those conversations as well. Right. Well, it's fun to listen to you guys have these conversations because it's like real people having the conversations. I think that's what's so nice as well like even when when you had me on the show I was like oh I'm just like chatting with my friends right I just I, I thought oh, that was you. I think that works so well and how you do the podcast is that it's you feel like I was listening to it actually I was I was walking to Beacon Hill Park the other day and I felt especially right now when you can't be with your friends I'm like oh my gosh it's like I'm listening to my friends chat right now like it was, oh, it was really nice I love that. that's great and Crystal do you want to introduce yourself as well yeah, yeah. I, I never know what to say, like, to, when I introduce myself. Like, it's like it's almost like when people are like, oh, can you tell us a fun fact about yourself? And you're like, oh, fuck. Like, I, do you always I find yourself say? saying random things? I'm always like, oh, yeah. I used to play rugby. I'm like, that was like 10 years ago. Why did I bring <laughs> that up? <laughs> uh, I once pet a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my name is Crystal, and I host a podcast with Jenny. And as Jenny said, uh, the rag is all about making things that seem spooky less uh, spooky. And uh, really just a journey of Jenny and I learning about different things that we think are interesting or that that we have other people reach out that they want to hear about. So, yeah, it's kind of evolved in, in many ways from something that was really directed at menstrual equity to, you know, kind of looking at various experiences that we go through and trying to look at the intersectionalities of experiences as well. I think that's so great because I know when um, when I was talking to you before about how like the period posse had came to be and I'll, I'll get you to explain like how that all came to be and how it's developed but I love how it really it started from that place of of menstrual equity and then you realize actually this equity conversation needs to be had about so many other things but what a good launch pad because so much of the I feel like the issues that we have especially for folks with uteruses and folks who menstruate it can come back to that kind of like internalized misogyny and so trying to get outside of that and a lot of feelings of sexual shame can even start from that, you know, initial experience when we're so young. So that it's all connected. And like you said, like there's those intersectional experiences and identities kind of form our experiences of these things. But I think it all can come back to our early experiences, either menstruating or just going through puberty in general and, and learning what's happening in our bodies, which is terrifying at that time. Like it's just... 
just awful. But yeah, do you, do you want to give me a bit of the, the origin story, like about the period posse? And then how did you decide that the podcast was the way that you wanted to start talking about it? Well, yeah, I'll start off with maybe the period posse aspect. And then Crystal, maybe you can hop into the podcast aspect because it was your initial idea. So the period posse was started by Lindsay Shaw, who used to be on the rag as well. And she, uh, and you're friends with her. That's how we got mm. connected with you, actually, right? Yeah, we went to high school um, together. Right, yes. you were her little <laughs> so drama, like, yes. tutor. Yes, her drama peer tutor. I went to her prom. She came to. Oh, did she come to my prom? I definitely went to her prom. She's younger than me, but like as a date. Uh, no, I wish I went as, with Lindsay as my date. I wish that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. No, my yeah, boyfriend at the time. I I have this chronic <sighs> thing where I like younger men. So my boyfriend at the time was a year younger than me. So I went to his prom. High school in particular. Like, yeah. oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so she got connected with the radio station because she was doing yeah, some really cool work in Victoria where she was just like walking down the street one day, saw someone on the street and was like, I wonder how they're able to like manage their period like I never thought about that if I'm barely able to afford tampons right now as a student how is this person who doesn't have a home able to afford menstrual products so she like started this idea that like oh we should or she started calling social services and seeing like what kind of access they have to budgets around menstrual products and just like a blood control product and she found out that like a lot of these social services were paying like out of pocket of their employees to make sure that people who were living on the street and like people, even just like single moms and things like that were, were able to get products for themselves and there is no budget for it, which is just wild. Like it's not something that's government funded. There's just no money for it and they rely heavily on donations and yeah, fundraisers and things like that in order to get these uh, blood control products. So she decided to start the period posse and it was like an event based kind of fundraiser and like donation sort of based fundraiser where it's not like we have a huge supply. It was just like, let's host an event, get a huge supply and then distribute it to people who need it and Mm. services that need it. And so she started that on her own, got some friends involved, Crystal involved, came to the radio station and then I wanted to get involved because I just thought it was cool. And then, that's how the three of us got connected. Mm-hmm. And then the podcast was Crystal's idea. I, I approached Jenny and I asked her on a date <laughs> to talk about the podcast. <laughs> and she agreed. Um, Were you yeah. nervous to ask her? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, she's, she's like a local celebrity. so I know. Like, <laughs> and yeah, I just kind of like told Jenny about my idea of like starting a podcast to talk about menstrual equity and just kind of the different experiences of many menstruators um and yeah it just kind of grew from there and Jenny was into it and then so uh Lindsay Jenny and I uh started the reg in I think it was about two years ago and we committed to 12 episodes um and it's just carried on from there we like to say, similar to your period, our episodes are released at random times. <laughs> it's like once a month or sometimes. Yeah, or sometimes. They're irregular, yeah, it but... It can be unpredictable. But yeah, it, the regs now expanded, as we said, um, from, you know, we still do talk about menstrual equity and bring up, you know, especially with uh, what's going on right now with COVID-19. There's lots of, like, situations where, you know, it's, it's quite clear that 
we don't have menstrual equity in the world and how mm. important we need to have people understand that, you know, having access to menstrual products is a fundamental human right. Yeah. But unfortunately, we're not there yet. But I think, like, you know, we are seeing progress in different ways with schools now providing menstrual products. Mm-hmm. I think from people transitioning from using the word, you know, feminine hygiene products, um, and more people are using menstrual products, you know, because it's not necessarily a gendered experience. You know, people who don't identify as female or with any gender do menstruate, and as well, the term hygiene also, you know, kind of, it, it alludes to, like, thinking that a period's dirty, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, no, I think it, I think it's like in many different ways it's changing, um, and I think you know there's a lot of menstrual advocates out there that are fantastic, and it's a pretty neat community to be a part of. So yeah, do you guys get that all the time now? People will just be like, "I saw this thing about menstruation," because I feel like now anytime someone has something about sexual health, they will send me an email or send me the newspaper article. Like I have an archive of stuff. Do you get that with like menstrual products and different initiatives? Yeah, yeah. I do a lot. <laughs> all the time. Like at work, like we have like a text line or whatever through our station. And like I often get people just like, Jenny, like I was thinking of you because I had my period and I just want to let you know that this weird thing happened or whatever. Or like, this new story I came across which is like super helpful to like yeah, have have people just constantly like give you information. Like I feel like I don't even need to like put effort in in order to be connected. People are just like, yeah, like oh, who do I send this to? This is information that I need. And yeah, people have been messaging a lot, which is nice. Like I had someone message me the other day, being like, hey, just so you know, you can get pregnant on birth control. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So like you haven't told your family, you haven't told anyone else, but you're telling me like this is like wow. an honor. And wow. I would love to talk about that with you and, and that sort of stuff. It's like sexual health in, in general. Yeah. People have just been like really open. And that's what I want. Right. Well, I think a, a part of that too yeah. is holding space for people to feel comfortable to say that as well. Right. And I think I kind of mm-hmm. mentioned before, I think that's the strength of not knowing the two of you like that well, but now like listening to your podcast, I feel like I know you quite well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I think, right? Like, I feel like a lot of it is if you can Mm -hmm. be accessible about it and not be weird about talking about it, then more people will keep talking to you, you know, about these really intimate experiences. But also because you're a bit removed, you know, you're not, say, you're not like their best friend or their parent or their partner or whichever else, that there's that kind of the separation that they're like, oh, I'm going to tell you all these personal details. And it's fine because I don't have to see like your face in real life. That's fine. Yeah. Right? When I was writing up my intro for for this podcast and the conversation with you two, I started thinking a lot about, like, menopause. I know we had talked about that before when um, when I was interviewed on The Reg, just because I, f- I spend a lot of time thinking about sex after the age of 65, even though I'm 28. Mm-hmm. Like, looping back around, because I've been really enjoying, like, your last few episodes talking about relationships in COVID-19 and what does that look like especially what is it what does it mean to be in like a long-term relationship new relationship to be single like there's the multitude of like dating and relationships has really shifted now and some people who were you know who were really casual are now really serious because they're like hey well that's that's moving with each other and 
that's not Daddy, the witch is called out right now. Right. But it was so sweet. It was so sweet hearing you. You're like, it was supposed to be so casual and then I don't know what happened. general it's been so interesting because you hear some stories um like even for my parents normally my mom travels a lot for her work and obviously not doing that right now and the amount of time that she's spending like with my dad in their home I'm like they haven't done that in years and it's like kind of exciting to I don't know it's like I'm one of those weird people who I like to like think about my the health of my parents relationship and I'm like hmm I wonder what this is meant for you maybe that'll be my next interview <laughs> Talking about sex with my mom on the podcast. Right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Right? But you should definitely interview them. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking a lot about, like, them being together, but also, like, long-distance relationships as well. Like, I, like, I'm very fortunate. Like, Levi was living in the Netherlands. This was, it was two years ago now. But if this had happened while he was in the Netherlands and I was here, like, I think about how difficult that would be and just like I've really struggled with my own like mental health during this time because I don't I didn't realize how much I need my people around me and Uh yeah like I wonder like Christy was saying that you that you and your partner and that you guys were living separate like separately before because you used to be in Vancouver and then now like being together if if you're comfortable do you want to talk about a bit of that experience more like shifting from like, how long were you in doing long distance and then now doing the, mm-hmm. not even just like, a, oh, let's transition to living together. It's like, let's transition to being yeah. with each other all the time. Yeah. We're lucky because we lived together before you moved to Vancouver for a couple of months. So it's mm-hmm. like we had a bit of training wheels before <laughs> we moved, like this move. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely been interesting. Like, I think, you know, being around anyone for, you know, in the same one bedroom, like, it's, you don't really get your alone time, which I think many couples are experiencing right now, mm-hmm. so I think, like, at times, you know, you do get a little itchy at each other, but I think for the most part, we've been pretty lucky, like, we still have a lot of fun, and we're, like, you know, I think we just try to keep it exciting in different ways, like, the other day, we were bored and cold, actually, we weren't bored, we were cold, it was after um, doing a distant hang outside, actually, with Jenny, and uh, we decided we were going to bring Mexico to us. So we had a bath and put our bathing suits on and had a really hot bath and made margaritas and put it on Mexican music. <laughs> and sat, like, in, like, facing, like, kind of the tub part and pretended that we were at a swim-up bar pool. <laughs> pool bar. Swim-up pool bar, that's what I meant to say. Um, and, yeah, we did that for, like, an hour. 
great. That sounds amazing. Right, doing a doing a swim up bar in your tub. I love it. Yeah. Oh my god. And then like on that note too, I find that like just like with my relationship that I'm in now too, like with COVID, like things have just like things are on hyperspeed. All those things that it takes like a few years, you know, to get to that point in a relationship is just like, oh, it's happened within like however long we've been in quarantine kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like I'm not you know, my crazy, you know how you're kind of like on your best behavior when you're first dating someone, Definitely. you're still yourself, but you're like kind of, you know, like the performance version yeah. of yourself, <laughs> but that's just like gone. It's like immediate, like this is who I am. I am very weird. This is like my comfort crazy is like kind of how I see it where I'm like, I am loopy and I don't know what's going on and I'm not thinking about you at all like it, and like impressing you at this point kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be too exhausting, I think, especially right now, to try and, like, hold on to that facade. Because it's not even, like, the best version of yourself. It's just like a, this is the version that I think you'll like the most. And it's, like, getting getting past that so, so much faster. Like, I feel, I mean, obviously not during COVID, but I feel like Levi and I had a similar thing where when we got together, just within that first year, we're like, let's live together, let's travel together, like, let's just do all these hard things together for some reason but you yeah it's like exponential that growth and how comfortable you are it, I mean obviously I'm not advocating that for everyone because sometimes I'm like yeah that does not work it crashes and burns but it's so nice to hear about when it actually works well and I think especially right now when I don't know like I think having someone there who feels who like knows you so you can feel like seen it feels really nice I think especially right now I don't know. I just, I just, I have the feeling that we're all not unhinged. That's not what I'm saying. But we're all a little, we're all a little tender right now, and just like a little, like okay. So I just it's somewhere like soft to land, and someone who's just like okay, I'm just gonna take all of you right now, and that's okay. Is there any other like last thoughts you have you want to share? This podcast in general is going to be about sexual health, but I think hearing how other people are doing in their lives, but also the great work that both of you are doing. You know, and go listen to the Rag podcast. I'll have a link yeah, for everyone to go oh, check it out. Oh, yeah, thanks. of course, of course. Well, thanks for having us. This was fun. It was, yeah, it was nice to kind of do the roles, reverse roles of you know being asked questions rather than asking questions. Although I don't really ask questions, I feel like Jenny does the question asking, and I just react. <laughs> Woo! Ah! You're, you're the comedic relief man. You're like, yeah, every like. Every time I hear a review of our podcast from friends, they're like, fuck, Crystal's funny, man. Like, <laughs> good. like, this is great. But no, like, I love what you're doing, Leah. I'm glad you're doing this because, like, when I find myself, like, not being able to process things pro- properly and, like, just, like, really being confused as to, like, my, why I'm feeling a certain way, I turn to podcasts. Mm. And I try and find, like, just people talking about their experiences. And it can be so casual. And it doesn't have to be, like, here's, like, you know, going to WebMD and figuring out what's wrong with you and, like, all that sort of stuff. It's like, oh, here's what I did in this experience. It helped me give it a try. I don't know. There's just something that's, like, so comforting with that. Yeah, that's why I think it's just, like, really important, especially you, who has a PhD. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's so nice to platform where you can like share your knowledge and then have people on even if it's everyone's experience seems like it's nothing it, it could be something to someone right so I really appreciate what you're doing oh keep, keep it up
Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to like get it out there, but to also, I kind of, I was telling me the other day, I like, I like to think that this podcast and like my role is to be a facilitator. I'm, I'm not very good about taking up mm. space for myself, but I really like holding space for other people to, to be heard. So that's what I'm kind of hoping it can be like, look, I have these resources and these are people's like questions and their experiences. And so how can I just use like the privilege that I have, but also this platform to like, to get those, to get those out there. That's totally. the hope. Just start a conversation. Yeah. And I would also love to hear just like little pieces of your brain, you know, put in there too. Cause yeah, yeah. you have a lot of knowledge that I think the public needs to have access to as well. Okay. I've <laughs> we very... need you, Dr. Love. Yeah, we <laughs> Dr. need you, Love Doctor. <laughs> love Doctor. Well, thank you. I mean, at the beginning of this episode, I talk about Grace and Frankie, so it's very important, groundbreaking work. Nice. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I love Grace and Frankie. Oh, my right? gosh. That's such a good show. It's, it's such excellent. a good show. It's, uh, oh, it's, once it's the hysterical. dildos get involved, I'm like, yeah. Right? She's like, I make yam lube. I also make dildos. I'm like, yes. Yes, you do. I love it. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to the Love Doctor podcast. If you want your questions to be answered on the show, send a voice memo to thelovedoctorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check me out on Twitter or Instagram and send me a message. Let me know what are the things that you want covered on the show and I will do my darndest to get them on here. Until then, folks, stay healthy, stay safe, stay consensual.